Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Football Fig Nuts Podcast. This is Season 6, Episode 23. If you counted them all together in one long string of six seasons, it's 262 episodes. I'm Craig. And my name is Britt. And Britt, we're back for another week, Week 18 of the NFL, and there's a lot going on. Is it Week 18? I'm not even sure anymore. Technically, yes. And just just for folks for folks who know, we're we're gonna start where we always start in a moment. But this is gonna be a very atypical episode. Um, I've spent the last two days screaming profanities in every language you could possibly imagine. So this is gonna be completely unfiltered fig nuts tonight. Um, <laughs> it's a good I went by January. It's a good title. Yeah, there it is. The unfiltered <laughs> fig nuts. I um, or zero filter. I like zero filter better. That's we what I'm gonna do. go with. Zero All right. filter. All right, we can do that. Sure. But um, I, I've got dry January, so I don't even have beer to, to ease my mind tonight. I did recommend you start tomorrow. I did say that. Yeah, you know, and I just <laughs> found out tonight about a, a charity event that I'm going to be going to on January 27th. So I think I'm just going to cut a couple days early. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm particularly fired up and I don't have my usual crutch of beer. I'm drinking diet soda. So, Craig, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, so tonight, and if I see you Sunday, I will bring you a can of this. I have... Fuck 2022 while we're at oh, it. Nice. What, what are we supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to do Sunday? Allegedly watching football. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Allegedly. Right, so wait, wait. It's, it's, it's 20, yeah. Fuck 2022 also. What do you got? Uh, it's 9.7. It is a triple dry hopped IPA. Um, and in case anyone doesn't know about these beers, uh, this is brewed by Abomination Brewing. Uh, they started this. This particular line of beer in 2020, you know, mm-hmm. when COVID started and it was such a big hit, they have done it for the last, uh, this would be technically the third one, right? No. Yeah. 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 Three. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they do it. They, they put it out every like end of December or beginning of January. It's a very strong beer. It, they have, they have really cool can art. Uh, this one is a skull or it's a giant skeleton hovering over a uh, dumpster fire. Yeah, all, all, all of their stuff, all of their can art uh, centers around the macabre. Mm-hmm. So, like, they have a series of sours called Harvester, and it's all like skeletons farming a field, yep, kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, they're 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 all of their stuff deals around that, and their their stuff is really really good as a um, general rule. So, is is it is have you tried it yet or? Yes. So, it you would not if I handed you this, which I will. Um, when you drink it, you will not realize it's 9.7%. Oh, it's, just like, that was my next question was, is it like last year's? Because last year's was sneaky too. Um, very sneaky. So you taste it. It's, you can taste the hops. It's smooth going down. You get an after, you get it like a, kind of like, hey, all the hops are here. And then they kind of like just go away. So it's very easy to drink. Uh, and you should not drink this quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> i mean you could but then you probably should not drink for a little bit after that <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yeah it's oh, that's I, I, I love strong stuff but as we learned on saturday at the brewery strong stuff and brit does not necessarily always go together <laughs> i have i have bizarre memory gaps <clears throat> from our party on saturday um like, do, you, do you remember playing that's not lemonade no did we play that's not lemonade uh like three rounds of it that's not lemonade we played. Yeah, yep. I have no memory. We played. Of uh, we we played the uh, timeline. Remember that? 
remember timeline. I remember breaking into Master Data, and then that went away pretty quick. Um, Are you well, sure I was there? You started playing it, and then after the first time you went, um, you got up, and I don't think you came back for a I while. In, I tagged in another guy because I, I needed to, to do some party stuff. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we played. That's not lemonade. I, I don't think I made it back. Are you sure I was there for that's not lemonade? Yes. Okay, I have no memory of playing that's not lemonade at the brewery. You're no. eating. You're eating large quantities of cheese. That that's like any given day for me. I mean, the cheese board was next to you. <laughs> I do remember attacking the cheese board several times. <laughs> I do. I do remember that. I don't. I don't remember playing that's not lemonade though. Did I win? Uh no. No, you didn't. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense then. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, all right. So, as I said, this is going to be an atypical episode. We are there. We're not going to worry about a metric this week. We are not going to um, play America's favorite game this week. Uh, our, our our focus, as many folks have been since Monday night, is Demar Hamlin. Um, my my big issue with this is not how it was handled at the moment, but where we are now. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, I, I want to just kind of recount for our listeners how this went down on our end on Monday night. We were watching the game because I was in the, a fantasy final and I needed Joe Mixon to have the worst game of his career um, <laughs> and, and to, to win a large fantasy league that I'm in. Well, large for me. And I, 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 so I, I was watching the game and then this hit happens. And I knew we had a problem because my wife, who does not pay any attention to football whatsoever, reacted. When she looked up and went, oh, 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 I went, okay, we have a problem here. Uh, and immediately my phone started blowing up. Over the course of the next four hours, I think the five of us that we consider our podcast contributors, myself, Craig, The Cinch, Sean, and The Source, exchanged roughly two to 300 text messages. Probably uh, more. It felt that way. It felt that way. It was constant talking back and forth. Um, my initial reaction was we need to get a podcast episode done sooner rather than later because there's so much to talk about here. But by Tuesday morning, my my head had kind of calmed just enough to sit there and go, no, there's enough talking heads about this that we don't need to add to the noise. We'll record at our normal time. We'll address our issues then. And it also in my mind, gave the NFL time to do the right thing, what I think the right thing should have been. Now, of course, they didn't do that. We'll get into that in a minute. But, Craig, I want to I just jump to you. What was your reaction, and, and, and how, how, how did this unfold for you Monday night? Uh, so, for me, when you watch, when you, you know, because me being a Bengals fan, I was watching it. Uh, when it first initially happened, and it looked like a standard typical you know everyday tackle in the nfl or football in general it looked like the top it looked like uh demar's like kind of looked like his chin and t higgins helmet kind of met so i assumed it was one of those like things in boxing where like somebody gets hit and they're okay but all of a sudden they fall over um kind of like a delayed knockout kind of thing that's what I thought it was because when you watch it really fast, that's what it that's what it looks like. Uh, but then when they slowed it down, or you you know you can get slow in your DVR, you can see it really wasn't his head, and it was just he just you know got hit in the chest, right. and 
you know, at first I was like, well, maybe because it's kind of like a lot of this. You see this a lot in basketball, unfortunately, where someone is just, you know, because basketball is not a contact sport. You just see someone running down the court and they pass out. Right. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, in my brain, I'm like, well, maybe he had like an underlying condition and the hit like triggered it. Um, but as we learned, it, the hit just happened the right way at the exact moment it needed to happen in like that 20 millisecond range and yeah that's that's what happened it sent him into uh cardiac arrest and it's important for folks to understand cardiac arrest and heart attacks are different things yes people lump them together because they both involve the heart stopping function but their causes and the afterwards of them are extremely different heart attacks are strictly related to blood flow issues. Mm -hmm. Clogged arteries, low blood pressure, things of that high blood pressure, those kinds of things deal deal with heart attacks. Cardiac arrest deals with the non-blood flow, electrical signal malfunction, any sort of problem with the with the heart functioning as a normal muscle that hasn't doesn't have to do with the the blood flow is and it stops that's cardiac arrest it's different everybody just thinks oh my god how can a 24 year old have a heart attack he didn't have a heart attack he suffered cardiac arrest and that is different it is not the same as your 75 year old great uncle who lives off of chicken wings who hasn't seen a doctor in 27 years having a heart attack it is not the same so it's important for us to make sure that folks understand it and i think that that's kind of been covered a lot in the media on this, but um, I want to I, I, I want to talk a little bit about to the 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 job by ESPN. Um, I, I thought that they did ex- an exceptional job. Um, I thought that they handled it as well as they could. Uh, even I don't know if you how late into the coverage you watched, but I did watch Lisa Salter's talk to Scott Van Pelt during uh, SportsCenter, mm-hmm. and she was teary. She was teary eyed. And I, I really appreciated their professionalism and their understanding that this is a human story. This was not just a football game story. This is a human story. And they did a really, really good job with that, in my opinion. They're, I mean, they ran seven breaks in like a 10-minute period because they honestly didn't know what the hell to do. Yeah, like, they really right couldn't when, say anything. Because every time they came back, they like nothing changed. And I think that was what they were hoping was that we'll take another two-minute break because they were hoping they would hear something from either the field or from the league office, etc. We know now from Joe Buck's interview with the New York Post this week that their rules expert was on the phone with one of the guys in the New York Control Center. That he had, that they, I forgot the guy's name, but they, they had somebody who was actively engaging with the rules center. So when Joe Buck said... We're hearing from the league office. They're going to get five minutes to warm up and resume this game after they had taken DeMar uh, Hamlin off the field. That wasn't coming from thin air, which is, you know, you're going to hear a lot of grievances tonight from me. And my first one is Troy Vincent. Troy Vincent trotted out yesterday to do damage control. And fuck him for that. Seriously. This kid is in the hospital fighting for his life. And you're going to come out here and you're going to make sure that we know that you guys never talked about that five-minute restart? No. There's no... No. 
I don't believe him for a minute. I believe that that is their standard practice. And I believe that the referees just went with that. I don't know if that came from the league office or not, but that is just kind of a standard practice. And when there's a prolonged injury on the field, whether it's somebody who has a serious medical condition or just has breaks a leg and it takes them a long time to get them off the field so they can stabilize them medically. that We've seen that before is what I'm saying. We right. have seen it before where there's a 10, 15 minute stoppage of the game because an injury has to be attended to in a specific manner. And as a result, there's a warm-up period afterwards. We've seen that. So, you know what? Troy Vincent, I don't give a shit what you think. I don't care what call you were on or what you weren't on. I don't care if it came from the refs or it came from the league office. This happened. And if this is if this is the standard procedure, then you guys need to address your standard procedures. That's my first one. I had a major issue with that. I'm just got to throw it to you yeah. and let you <laughs> respond to that. I you know I feel like it was because people were saying that you know Joe Joe Buck was just making it up. He wasn't. Uh, you know the people on TV, as much as no one wants to admit it, they're mostly told what to say. I mean, not like mm-hmm. the play commentary, but everything else. It's all scripted. They all yes. like, Everyone knows what they're gonna say. So someone told him in his ear or handed him a piece of paper and said, "Say this." Yes. So, or he read it off a teleprompter. Or, or exactly. Um, so I think people just need to realize that because I know a lot of people don't like Joe Buck, which is fine. Not liking announcers. Oh, I can't stand. I can't stand Joe Buck. Right, but in this I particular case, do you blame him for anything? Him right, no. exactly. <laughs> no, I think they. I think he he did an exceptional job. One of the things you got to point out too is, and I don't know if this is by design or what have you, but. After the initial analysis of the hit, while while Demar was still getting cared for, Troy Aikman essentially evaporates into air. We we don't hear his voice for like twelve minutes straight, and maybe that's because Troy was dealing. Maybe Troy was sitting there going, "Oh my God!" and he was experiencing some level of vicarious trauma, which I'm going to talk about a little bit too. Maybe it's just because during one of the breaks. Troy looked at him and said, you are the expert here. I'm, I'm a football player commentator. I've been doing this a long time with you, but you're the, I want you to guide this. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was just Joe stepped up and said, okay, this is not normal, Troy. I'll take Lee. Who knows? Maybe. Who knows? And so no blame on Troy Aikman. If he was, if someone was in his ear saying, Troy, because this one is weird, I want you to just kind of sit back until Joe throws to you. That's fine. That's fine by me. Mm-hmm. But Joe Buck did an exceptional job of wrangling the field um, on on Monday night. And I can say that even though I've never been a fan of his broadcast style. And I don't believe for a moment that he fabricated or made up anything or, you know, guessed at something. I don't think that was the case. I don't think that was the case at all. I think what what happened was the rule expert was on the phone with whoever he was in New York. And he said, okay, so what's going to happen here? Now that we've got the ambulance off the field, what's going to happen here? And the guy in New York said, well, I don't know for sure, but typically they warm up for five minutes and they keep on playing. That's usually how we handle these injuries. So the rule guy turns to Joe and goes, I'm hearing a five-minute warm-up followed by game resumption, and that's where it came from. That, that Now, Troy Vincent sits there, well, I was never part of that conversation. Well, then maybe you weren't a part of the conversation, genius. <laughs> maybe this is a conversation that happened in the fucking war room while you were sitting there diddling yourself. Because you clearly don't know what's going on. And if you don't know what's going on, then where were you and what were you doing? 
But you don't sit there and sit there and go, that was never part of the conversation. It didn't come out of thin air, and Joe Buck didn't make it up. So someone in your organization said that that was a possible course of action. Exactly. And that just that pisses me off that, that the NFL, while this kid is still laying in bed, while two teams experienced firsthand a traumatic event. And if you don't think that was a traumatic event, you can turn off your podcast right now because I don't want to waste my breath on you. That was a traumatic event for every single person who witnessed that on the field. It was probably a traumatic event for several people in the stands. And if you don't think that's the case, then go away. You're wasting my time. The other thing we have to consider is what's called vicarious trauma. I've worked in the mental health field for a long time in a lot of different roles. I've seen vicarious trauma. I've I've experienced it myself. And if you don't know what the hell vicarious trauma is, I'm going to tell you. Vicarious trauma is when an event hits so close to home but is not an actual part of what you're experiencing that you are traumatized as a result. For example, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to what was a very tragic event here in Connecticut history. We had the Sandy, Sandy Hook massacre. Mm-hmm. Every parent who had a first grader on that day probably stopped and said to themselves at some point, that could have been my kid. Mm-hmm. And that moment, that realization that the safety we imagine for our children isn't always the reality is a terrifying and traumatic moment. Were their kids ever in actual danger that day? No. But as a parent, do you feel traumatized that that could have been your kid? Absolutely. That's called vicarious trauma. I've experienced it myself working in the field. I have seen people... I, I've, I've, I've worked with folks who are in the court system and I've seen people who I knew were innocent go to jail and I've cried for them. And that's something I've never admitted to anybody. When I've gotten by myself, I've cried because I've, I'm so, I'm like, that could be any of us. That guy, was unfo- that guy was falsely accused and he went to jail for something that I know he didn't do, but our system didn't support him. That could be me tomorrow that could be any of us those kinds of things happen in reality it's called vicarious trauma now if you think for a moment that any football player who's ever known damar hamlin or played with damar hamlin or knows somebody who suffered a serious injury or has suffered cardiac arrest isn't affected by that moment then you are a moron because that is what it is and and that is why people are sitting there saying well you know i can understand if the Bengals and the Bills need some time, but the rest of the league should absolutely play on. We should not be talking about canceling Week 18. That's not how vicarious trauma works. Vicarious trauma doesn't let you pick and choose who gets affected. It just happens. It just happens. Does that mean we need to cancel Week 18? I personally think we should have. But I also think that ship has sailed. That's already Wednesday as we're recording this, and that ship has sailed. But people are underestimating the impact of this event. And I think that, and, and, and one more point before I throw it back to Craig, because I've been going for like five minutes straight here on this. Trauma affects everyone differently, too. There are guys who talk to an army veteran about what it's like to see someone shot in the field. They're trained to deal with this. Trauma is different for them than it is for the average person on the street. That's the other thing we have to consider. We saw grown 300-pound men who have cracked their legs in half and gone, huh, look at that, bawling on the field Monday night. Trauma is unique. It is unique to the individual. It is unique to the situation, and it does not have to be something you directly witness. Yeah. 
right. I'm just gonna yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause there and give Craig a chance to actually say something. <laughs> no, that's that's that everything you said is uh is true. And the NFL, as we've known, if you've listened to this podcast in the last six seasons, you know that we don't usually agree with things the NFL does or decides. Um, so that so that's not that's nothing new. One thing I will I will give the NFL credit for um, it's something I didn't something that I assumed they did, but I never really knew the extent they did it. So the practice that teams the teams medical teams go through is a lot more extensive than I thought it was. Mm. Uh, so what happens is the team medical every team has their own medical team. Um, also the NFL at every game has private doctors there as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you saw, there's an ambulance at every game, every city that there's an NFL stadium, there's a level one trauma hospital mm-hmm. with very close by. I didn't know that either. It makes perfect sense. Uh, but what happens is these medical teams actually practice in preseason and run drills about what they're going to do if something like this uh, happens. Uh, they even, they work they they're there during the week with teams doing drills before every game. They have probably like a ten minute meeting. Like who, they like introduce each like each each team like each team's team. That's a weird way to say, it. but they introduce themselves. They go over what's going to happen. They go over where the ambulance is. They go over how the ambulance is going to get to the hospital. They go over who has what specialty. Did not know this either. There's people there that what they do, their only job is to intubate someone on yeah. the field. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that it's really good to see that this stuff like this was in place because this something like this is extremely rare. Um, yeah. I know people have been saying that this has never happened before in 50 years. It has, but people have forgotten. Um, if there's to this day... There's only been one person that's actually died on an NFL field, which was not um, hit related, actually. Well, they're not sure. Basically, what happened was he this guy came in. I'm going to get his name because I don't remember off the top of my head. I'm not familiar with this story, so Um, I'm learning here. Hold on. Let me let me get his name here because I do not want to forget, even though I just read it. Anyway, I'll tell you the story while I look up his name. Yeah. There we go. Chuck Hughes. That is the only player okay. in 1971. Uh, he was a wide receiver for the Lions. Uh, he came in the fourth quarter for an injured for someone who got injured. Um, he caught one pass. He got tackled. The next play, they line back up. Uh, he's not involved in the play, so he doesn't get hit. And then he basically just falls over. And he's his heart. He ba- he had a heart attack. Um, they discovered that a blood clot was dislodged in his heart or somewhere um, on the play previously, and that's what that's what did it. Uh, and then they also found out that he had a heart attack previously, and it was never diagnosed. Um, so he's the only person that's actually died on the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in 1996. Uh, there was a linebacker on, again, the Lions. Why is it always the Lions? 
Uh, been around a long time. <laughs> they really have. Actually, they have been. They are one of the original teams. Yes. Uh, they actually got to perform CPR on him after a spinal cord injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this some things like this are very very rare, uh, but they have happened. It's just people have forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, a lot of credit goes to the medical teams yes. that the NFL has or teams have, and and honestly, this is going to sound really weird to say is the equipment managers because. I don't know if you've ever, if anyone listening to this has ever put on pads. They're not the most convenient things to wear. <laughs> they're not easy to get on and off either. They're not. There's straps and clips everywhere. Mm-hmm. These people, within a matter of seconds, can completely take off the face mask of a helmet without mm-hmm. question. So a lot of credit goes to them as well. And just the preparedness that um, the medical teams had, because I'm pretty sure if they weren't. We would have a, be having a different discussion about Mr. Hamlin. Um, yeah. So because of that, and because they got to him so quickly and started CPR on him, uh, that gave him a really, really good chance for uh, recovery. Yeah, and that's and that's one of the, the few places I can't I can't argue. The medical response was exceptional, and thank God for it. Like everything you just said, um, the the pro- presence of the level one trauma the uh the proper training the responsiveness of the the folks it was exceptional it was the only place in this entire saga where i feel like the nfl actually did a good job in preparing my biggest problem with the nfl and this is something i i've, I've said numerous times here I've, i i've said it with the podcasters before the freaking nfl is every things are only a problem when other people know that they're a problem concussions were not a problem until Will Smith made a movie about them and everybody was going, really? You know, um, social justice wasn't a problem until people were rioting across the country and the league looked around and went, you know, we, we have a lot of, a lot of black people on our teams, coaches, all the coaches (laughs) being white wasn't a problem until somebody stood up and said, anybody else notice we don't have any black coaches and no one, none of them get ever get interviewed. The league is purely reactionary. They are. And and in this situation, they had a potent, they had the possibility to be proactive and they didn't take it. And this is where everybody's like, oh well, you can't cancel week eighteen. You know what you do? You're Roger Goodell. You step in front of the frickin' press on Tuesday morning at nine AM. First thing Tuesday morning. And you tell them we are we are feeling for everything for Damar. Our prayers are with him. We recognize that this is a traumatic event and everybody deals with trauma differently. So in a court, in association with the players association, we spoke about it last night. We are going to make sure that there are extra resources at every single one of our facilities for these, for these players. And we are going to discuss with them if everyone feels comfortable with continuing on schedule. And if the players don't feel comfortable the majority of the players don't feel comfortable. We will reschedule things. And he didn't fucking do it. He didn't do it. He said, well, let's wait and see what happens with DeMar, and then we'll figure out. We may have to replay this game. We may just have to reschedule things. I'm not sure what we're going to do. Let's just sit back. Now, it came out today that the next morning, the NFL did reach out to the player engagement people because every club has to have a player engagement manager that's responsible for things like mental health and those kinds of assistances. 
They did reach out and said, anything you need, let us know. But they didn't tell anybody they were doing this. And that's the transparency part of the NFL does all these things in secret. It's always about protecting the shield. And blah, blah, blah. Tell us what you're doing so mm. that we see you're doing something. And they didn't do it. Well, you know, not everybody's going to experience trauma the way you're talking about. That's correct. But how the fuck do you know if they did if you don't ask? Well, maybe they did ask. We don't know that they did ask. And I'm sorry, but a, te a league that is desperate for positive PR every single time it can get it, in any way it can fucking get it, would have told us if this is what they had done. And they didn't. Goodell misses another chance to lead. Well, you got to think about the sponsors. Fuck your sponsors. Well, you got to think about the owners. Fuck the owners and fuck Jerry Jones twice with a Jerry Jones-branded dildo. This is not that kind of moment. This is the moment where Roger Goodell could have stood up and silenced every boo he has ever gotten at a draft. <laughs> He's gotten a lot of boos. And he missed it. This is a guy who trotted out cowboy legends in Dallas <laughs> and got booed. That's that is true. That that is true. Yeah. I think the this was the moment. And it's not it. it's not shocking because this is uh, this is sadly what the NFL does. We all know that Goodell is just a figurehead. And That's the problem. He's really just a puppet for the owners. He's a, he's a very well paid puppet, but that's he's, he's a not a leader. Owners. He's not. He is not a leader. Um. Yeah, I guess once again the NFL and their. You know what my problem is. Well, I have a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the NFL, yeah, we both. We in both. general, but um, <laughs> the problem, like, okay, this happened, and the league doesn't say anything. God forbid, the league finds out anyone has gambled on cricket. Yeah. They will suspend them for two years, like yep. within an hour. Like that—that's yep. that is what is mind-boggling for me. I'm like, so you you will suspend people for gambling on not football, which is fine in their contract. This says they won't. Fine, fine, but you will literally be on the phone with them Sunday morning, telling them they cannot play until next December. As soon as you find within an hour of finding out. And something like this, you're going to say nothing. Just, Which just... is another one of the counterpoints to what I'm saying about considering rescheduling week 18. Well, you're, you're not, you, you can't reschedule week 18 on the fly. How many games did we reschedule last season because of COVID outbreaks? Remember with COVID? We didn't know, like, originally, we didn't know what the hell was going to happen. And there were, like, games oh, getting we... scheduled and people out and tear, like, everything. <laughs> we had games that were canceled like 36 hours before they were supposed to be played. And when they were canceled, the league announced the plan to move it forward. It wasn't like they came out and said, Ravens Steelers can't happen this week because of COVID. What came out was Ravens and Steelers can't happen Thursday. So we're moving it to Tuesday. Don't tell me the league can't figure this out on the fly because they have, they that have done this before so the argument that it's too late in the season and there's no way to move an entire week of football this like yes you can yes it is possible the league chose not to do it the league put more effort into making sure you understood 
that no one on a phone call with Troy Vincent ordered a five-minute warm-up period than they did in making sure that their the mental health of their players was assured. And sorry, that pisses me off. These guys go out, well, they're paying millions of dollars. They are paid millions of dollars, but they are still employees and they are still people. And I read what these coaches and these, these, these players are saying. I read before we came on uh, Doug Peterson's reaction to this. Doug Peterson's reaction going into the going into the facility on Tuesday morning was, what do you guys need? Let's talk. The only thing you guys can't do is stay quiet. Because he's like, we're, we're playing for the division this weekend unless the league intervenes. And I need to support you and not have you guys going out there distracted. Because I understand that this may be traumatic for you. If fucking Doug Peterson can get it, why can't the league? I, I just... I, it, yeah. it boggles the mind. And then the lineup of talking fucking heads. Skip Bayless Monday night. You know, I don't know what they're going to do if they have to cancel oh, this game. God. Fuck you, Skip. Like, I, <laughs> I understood what he was saying, but dear God, did he word it terribly. Like, absolutely timing. terribly. And timing. The bad. kid is literally on the ground getting medical assistance, and you're talking about what are they going to do if they can't finish this game? I think I, that was poorly written. I'm going to assume he was drinking, and everyone has to be first to their phone for Twitter. I get that, but Jesus, man. Oh, damn, you know damn. what? Yeah, it's just, just Skip Bayless can just fuck off. He's now on my list of people who can completely fuck is off. Is Bart Scott on your list? He is now. Like, what the fuck, Bart? You were a jet. I used to like you, but goddamn, man. Why? Are you... Listen, everybody's everybody's entitled to a bad take. Sure. Right? We all. Sure. How many times? You're talking to a guy who put money on the Eagles to win <laughs> under eight games this year. At the time, it made take. sense. At the time, it made well, sense. <laughs> it made sense to me because I bet it. <laughs> uh, you're talking to a guy who bet that the Cowboys would not make the penalty payoffs this year. I talked about that on this show, too, and I put money on it. I, <laughs> we're all entitled to bad takes. But every bad take, there's got to be somebody. I used to curl with a guy. Ten-second distraction. I used to curl with a guy whose nickname, he worked at ESPN. His nickname was Dr. No. And his sole job was to evaluate shows, commercials, sponsorships, etc. that might come back to bite the network in the ass. For example, do you remember when GoDaddy.com was parading out women in like skimpy outfits? Oh yeah. Website? <laughs> he he he. They wanted to, they wanted to advertise on ESPN. He said no, <laughs> and he was the last word on that kind of stuff. He was basically like the morality police. Like, can you imagine what women's rights groups will do? He so his nickname was Doctor No because he always had the final say on on anything that could be embarrassing to the network. In our heads, every one of us has a Doctor No. <laughs> Bart Scott gave his the day off. <laughs> it's okay to have a shitty take and go, you know what? I wonder if T. Higgins really, you know, T. Higgins should have done this differently, but you don't say it. There's so, somewhere in his brain, his doctor no just went, all right, let's go with that. Yeah. You can't say it. It's just like, like you even had other, you had current players coming out to be like, what the fuck, man? Like yes. I, and this and the other side of this has like anyone checked on T Higgins because Jesus, 
like there was a great picture of him leaving that night with his mom. I don't know yeah, if you saw it. I saw it. Yep. I mean, For those the dude, have, the dude but, caught the ball and you know knew he was getting tackled. Put his shoulder down, like everyone on earth who plays football does their entire life. It is what they are taught to do to reduce the impact of the hit. You lean into it. You push momentum towards the opposite object. That way, when the counter hit comes, you're not in a position where you're going to be thrown backwards in a violent manner. Yeah, and it happens every single Sunday, Monday, Thursday, repeatedly, like yes. without issue, you know? Yes. So, yeah, blaming T. Higgins, you, 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 you shouldn't have. It's just, it's just, it's, it's not even a bad take. It's just shit journalism. Yeah. It's shit journalism. And then I go online this week and I see that anti-vaxxers have taken on oh, this, this thing. Oh dear God. <laughs> we have, we have a brain dead. <laughs> we have a brain dead congresswoman from Georgia who tweeted that these things didn't happen before there were vaccines. And I don't know, I don't know who the guy was. But there was a guy who had almost as many likes as hers and <laughs> said, we didn't have assholes like you in Congress before vaccines either. And God bless that guy. Damn. for calling. It, yeah, like just just brutal. takedown. Um, oh, quick sidebar, because I didn't want to fair anyone's name. Yeah. The person on the Lions in 1997 who needed CPR, uh, they were playing the Jets and it was the a linebacker named Reggie Brown. Uh, he had a oh, spinal. Yes, that's right. He had a spinal cord injury and they. Like the game was stopped for about ten minutes, and he did yep. need CPR on the field and was taken name. to the hospital. Now that you say the name, I remember the name. I remember. I, I don't remember that specific injury, but I do remember him being a a Detroit Lion and and him having a paralyzing injury. Okay, so that that makes sense. So I, I'm just folks, and 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 I and just not to say that the world is all darkness and and anger. We, we've seen we've seen an outpouring of support for Demar Hamlet's family. We have seen an outpouring of support for his charitable funds. I've heard of a GoFundMe page where people who are either in the league or pretending to be in the league are donating to try and support the family on this. I, I, I that's fantastic stuff. But for my, for a guy who sits here once a week and runs numbers and tr and promotes this sport. It is hard for me. It was very hard for me to to get up for this episode today. I have been angry for a day and a half about this. This is just he has been <laughs> everything that has happened on the league side and the pundit side since the moment that ambulance left the stadium has left me shaking my head. There should not have been an hour where this was was considered going on. It took Joe Burrow less than 10 minutes to gather up his captains and go, we're going to take a walk down there and check on those guys. It took him less than 10 minutes. Yep. Those coaches knew when they were going back in that locker room that they had a 10-minute window maybe to get their guys together, and if not, they were not going to play this game. And you know what? Good on them. Because I don't believe that the NFL, when they, when they handed them the cell phone, which we saw in the back, when they handed the coach the cell phone, I guarantee whoever they talked to was like, hey, Zach, you guys okay? Uh, no, that guy was like, Zach, are you guys going to play tonight or what? Are we going to get this going? Yeah. Because uh, we got partners waiting on the, on the line. ESPN is on in a holding pattern, and we've got radio. But their concern wasn't the players. And that's just, 
Well, how do you know that? You weren't there. Because we've seen it before. And we keep seeing it. And at some point, we've got to stand up and say, I've seen it enough. This has to change. And yeah. that's where I'm at with this league right now. That is where I'm at and with this league. That that's why I did not prepare a metric. That's why I didn't do any prep work other than look at all of the latest information on DeMar Hamlin. That's all I did to get ready for this pod tonight. And really, like, like, hats off to Zach Taylor and Sean McDermott because I think they handled it really, really well. And I honestly believe they're the ones who decided to not play. Yes, I do. I absolutely do. I think they were the only people in that. And again, this goes to Doug Peterson in Jacksonville. Those two guys there. Those are the guys that are sitting there going, these are my guys. I need to take care of them. And that's the difference. Yeah. That's the league doesn't have that angle. And I understand. I understand some. We've been disagreeing about this on the podcasters thread all for two days. There are members of our team who think, okay, this is this is a this is a serious and terrible injury, and canceling the game was the right thing to do. But let's move on. I don't agree with that assessment. This is a unique situation. This is not. This is not a paralyzed person on the field. This is a guy who literally died on the field and had to be brought back. Yes. That that's I what mean, happened here, folks. You know, just like um, I forgot who said it in our thread, but if they wanted to pull the players and ask about week eighteen, they certainly could have. They certainly could have, but they're two days late now. Yeah, had like, to be done immediately. And again, go, go back to what I said. If, if Roger Goodell stands up Tuesday morning and goes, this is a freak incident, and we are so with DeMar, we're going to provide him everything he needs. In the meantime, we're going to provide our other players anything that they need to get past this, and we are going to do a quick straw poll with the NFLPA, and by Wednesday night, we will be able to tell you whether or not our guys feel okay with going this weekend. They would look like a genius. They would. They would look like they gave a shit about the people that they literally throw at each other to make money. And instead, they decided, let's just keep it quiet. Let's just, everyone's, all of our publicity is about supporting Damar Hamlin and making sure everybody knows that we handled this exactly the way we should have thought thought it should have been handled. Everybody did everything perfectly. It was the best. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. That was the angle they took. It was a missed opportunity to lead. And I don't want to hear about sponsors. I don't want to hear about owners. At some point, Roger Goodell has to sit there and go, I've got $700 million plus in the bank from this stupid-ass job. Instead of worrying about whether or not they're going to extend my contract, I'm going to stand up and do the right thing. And that's, that's what didn't happen here. That's what didn't happen here, and that's why it drives me nuts. I know it's honestly I've I've gotten to the point where I've just stopped expecting it like I like part of me initially wants them to do something but I'm not I'm not surprised anymore I'm just I'm really not especially especially with how you look at uh, how they you know if you look at the league's history of how they treat say gambling versus domestic abuse or concussions like yeah I'm just I'm just not Oh, but I'm not. I'm not really, mad. I'm disappointed. 
Ray Rice, Ray Rice wasn't an issue until the video came out, right? Ray yeah. Rice was just Ray Rice was just some some sort of altercation. We we have reports of an altercation in an elevator. Ray Rice and a woman allegedly in an elevator. And then two days later, TMZ is goes, you want to see what the NFL calls an altercation? And the guy hasn't been seen since. Nope. Nope. You're telling me the <laughs> NFL didn't know that video existed? You're telling me the NFL went public without saying to somebody, wait a minute, <laughs> it happened in a casino elevator? Can we see that footage? Yep. They absolutely knew what was going on there. And they decided to turn a blind eye to it because it fit their fucking agenda. And it's only when they get called on it that it's an issue. Yeah. It's... It, it, Yep. And you know what I, else I just, has come out of this that I, that I was not aware of? What's that? When you retire from the NFL, you only have five years of health insurance. Yes. That is mind-boggling. For what For what it takes to play in the NFL, like, listen, everyone in the NFL, everyone who plays football, whether they play high school, college, NFL, arena, Canada, Europe, like, you already know that you're going to get hurt. Yes. Like, it, it is inevitable. Even if you're the punter, you are going to get hurt. <laughs> I, like, I still have things on me that hurt me, and I only played in high school. So, yeah. it it happens. And the fact that there's only five years of ins- health insurance or whatever the NFL offers for these guys mm-hmm. is is insane. There's people that we watched when we were little, like, they can't even, like, tie their shoes anymore. It's it's just crazy to me. It's crazy. Yeah, um, I'm absolutely with you. I'm absolutely with you. I'm just looking right now. You want to know how significant this is in terms of like not even just the game of football, but the social like I don't know what the right term is. The zeitgeist, for lack of a better term, uh, that's a good word. CN- we'll use it. <laughs> CNN. I don't even know if it's being properly used there. CNN has dedicated a live update page to it. Really? <laughs> there is a live. Update, the uh, zeitgeist is the fighting spirit or mood of a particular period of history as shown by ideas and beliefs. Okay, it's not really the proper usage. But no, that's but, okay. it's still, but it's still a good word. CNN only has two active live update pages right now, and it's Damar Hamlin's condition and the House Speaker vote. That's it. Everything else is like, you just read the article. Go away. Hmm. Right? I mean, it, it's, it's, and I'm, I'm just, I'm scrolling through it. Um, I'm just scrolling through it, like it, like the president's talk to the the family. Uh, they're talking about all the donations. Um, there's a, a great little thing here um, about how Skip Bayless spent a third straight day defending his controversial tweet. <laughs> this time during a tense exchange Wednesday <laughs> with his Fox Fox Sports talk show host co-host Shannon Sharp. I'm not a huge God. Shannon Sharp person either, but I, I without having seen you this know... clip, and I won't go looking for it because I don't need to put eyeballs on it. But I hope Shannon Sharp ripped him a new one. You know, for as insane as both of them are, the two of them together, I will admit, can be entertaining. But still, as Skip, it just you typed it poorly. You just just admit you typed it bad. Just be like, yeah, that's not what I should have said at that exact time and moment. <laughs> yep. Everyone so knows spent- what you were saying, but. You just didn't say it the right way. <laughs> so we have we have spent almost we spent over forty five minutes now at this point, kind of just talking about the things that we saw. There's a million talking heads out there. Um, you know, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say I regret not doing a metric this week and not doing any of our normal fun stuff no. because there are times in life that you just have to be. There's times in life that demand us to take a more serious tone, and I think 
we've been doing this now. We're in our sixth season. I think to myself, when have we ever, when have we ever stopped talking about games long enough to really pay attention to stuff going on around us? And it's been two or three times. This is like one of two or three episodes out of 260 plus where Craig and I have just sat there and said, you know what? The normal isn't going to pull it today. And that was where we were at today. And, and so, you know, as we're getting ready to draw to a close, we will absolutely be returning to our normal format um, once, you know, we, we probably next week. Uh, now, whether or not that is week 18, because the NFL decides to do something knee jerk last minute, or uh, if it's, you know, the first week of the playoffs, I have no idea. We will, we will cross that bridge when we get to it. But, you know, I mean, one of the things I did say was there's a lot of talking heads out there and we didn't want to just contribute noise to it. I, I feel like it's important for us to look not only at the situation, which everybody and their mother is doing, but look at the people who are doing the looking and to call out the guys like Skip Bayless, to call out the Bart Scotts, to call out the Roger Goodell and just to sit there and say, guys, this isn't right and if you don't agree with me, that's fine. You have the right to disagree with me, but I don't think anyone can disagree that this is a much bigger deal than a simple leg or ankle injury. And if the league thought it was going to go away like something like that, then that I don't, I don't even know what to call them. They're completely mistaken. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're right. This is a, this is such a unique instance. And uh, the the NFL clearly was not unlike the medical teams. The NFL itself was not prepared like for this at all, like yes. ever. Yes, the 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 pregame emergency preparation, and Doctor David Sills talked about that this, this today as well. That there is a meeting sixty minutes before game time, where the emergency personnel get together with the game officials, and they go over all of the details. It kind of reminds me of. Um, you know, back when I was doing umpiring, we used to meet with teams 10 minutes beforehand to go over ground rules, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what you need to know about this particular field. Now, when I was doing it, this is rec league. And unfortunately, every field was different. I used to keep a little notebook on what was unique about this field. Oh, you're at this park. Okay. Here's what you need to know. There's only, there's no foul pole down the left field side. Oh, by the way, on the left field side, there's a little just like rickety fence. Behind that's a 30-foot drop. Things like that. Important to but know. This is, it's important to know. But you think, I, can, I, I think about all the times that we would go over that and then in a game, somebody would do something in violation of the field rules and get upset with us. And I'd be mm -hmm. like, we talked about this. That didn't happen here. And thank God it didn't. It shows the professionalism of these people. I will never forget one particular game. Really quick, I had um, I had a team that this league used to have what they used to call an injury an injury runner designation. So if you had somebody who couldn't run but wanted to play, or you know might need to be removed from the game without penalty, you could designate one guy at the start of a game as an injury runner. And at the ground rules, I said to the team captain, do you have anybody who needs to be designated as an injury runner this game? And the captain said to me, no, all my guys are healthy. 15 minutes later, in like the second inning, this guy hits a single and he's standing on first base and he yells back to his bench and signals he needs to come off. And the same guy comes out of the dugout and goes, that's my injury runner. 
And I'm like, no, it's not. Because at the time of the ground rules, you told me I don't have an injury run. All my guys are healthy. And this guy gave me a death look. Like, I just told him his kids were gone and his wife had left him. <laughs> and after the game, he was like, I've never. I was like, you didn't do your part. Can you imagine if any of the guys in this situation had been like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's just get through this meeting. Yeah, we do this every week. It's never going to happen. Yep. For, thank God that is not how it was handled. Thank God. I'm going to use that as yeah. my final thought this week and just, just throw it to Craig to close us out. I think I've done a lot of talking, a lot of complaining. I think it's pretty clear. I'm pretty upset about the way that this is, is going down. I'm super proud of the medical teams and how they handled this. But everything since then has just been questionable and discouraging from my point of view. So, Craig, give me some optimism. Give me something good to end the night. Uh, yeah, like you said, the I mean, the the medical teams were, uh, again, just absolutely outstanding. Um, they they pretty much saved his life. Um, you know, the last thing I saw, he, as of yesterday, so that was Tuesday, uh, where he was on 100% of the ventilator, he is now on using it 50%. Yep. Uh, so things are going in the right direction. Um, people... People seem to be concerned that he was, you know, in a uh, medically induced coma or slash sedated. You definitely don't want to be on a ventilator and be awake. So that's that's normal in these kind of things. So if he is still on, the, you know, I don't want people to freak out if they read that he's still on a ventilator tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, or tomorrow night. Like it's or that's that he's normal. still unconscious or right. that he's still unconscious. This is not unusual. No, no. People can be on personal, like side personal story. Like my dad was on a ventilator at one time for about a week. So it's these things are normal. Um, but as long as his vitals keep going in the right direction, those are all those are all positive signs. And again, it listen, like I said before, people that play football play football because they love the sport. And in the back of everyone's head who has ever played or plays football, it is in your head that you know that you can get hurt very seriously. Like you, you know that for a fact. It's not people don't openly talk about it, but everyone knows that you can, and they play that sport knowing it could happen. Yes, right. Um, they still play because they love it, and of course, if you're in the NFL, like financially, it's you're going to play it, right? Um, but something like this has never has never happened in again recent people's memories. Uh, so it's something that people have to kind of kind of work through, and everyone's going to work through it differently, you know. And that's that's exactly it, and that's exactly it. That's the bit that I don't think the league really fully understands. Now, I, I just saw a piece that I missed earlier today where. Troy Vincent was like, we're going to let Sean and the Bills dictate whether or not week 18 goes on. Everything's on the table, blah, blah, blah. I don't even think that that should have been that should be a discussion that should be happening actively. And the league should be working with them to resolve and, and not just being like, well, we're just waiting to see where they're at or we're, we're keeping a finger on the pulse of their feel. No, no, this is this is not a wait and see moment in the league. This is a, a time for them to be proactive and to think about the players first. And I just, it's just, it just isn't happening. I'm just, I'm just very discouraged by it. But, um, 
I'll, I'll wrap up by just reminding everybody on our, our weekly basis, uh, we do appreciate any reviews you leave us on a podcast directory you, li uh, you listen to us on. You are always, always welcome to reach out to us. The best way is through email. We are fignutsdfs at gmail.com. We are at fignutsdfs on Twitter, but I can't read Twitter anymore. I couldn't read Twitter before this happened. Now I can't read Twitter after this happened. Um, we're also on Facebook at the Football Fignuts Podcast. Next week, we will be back to what you guys consider normal, whatever that may be for you <laughs> yes. with regards to us. Except, well, I, I'm still not going to be drinking, but um, we will we will be back to more of our normal format. It just didn't feel right this week, guys. I'm just I'm just being brutally honest with you. It didn't feel right to come out here and start talking about DFS lineups and what we thought that was good, bad, and ugly. This whole situation was ugly this weekend and this young man is the only thing that really should matter right now and his recovery and his stabilization is really where our focus should be as football fans yes craig is right these things are going to happen and they're going to be freak accidents and there's no way to necessarily prevent them but when the unpreventable happens how you respond is what's key and that's where we are with this so in the meantime, everybody, we wish you uh, a happy week. We thank you so much for joining us and kind of putting up with our, our mad ramblings this week. Um, I think it was – I sit here, I talk about, you know, working through trauma. I feel I, I think this was a little therapeutic for me just to get all this crap out and just to sit there and say, you know what? It's time to rethink some stuff. So I appreciate you guys for joining us this week and every week. So we will see you next week for probably will be the first week of the playoffs. Um, and we'll be geared up and excited for that. And hopefully we will have some great news between now and then about tomorrow's status. So uh, thank you again for joining us. Until we meet, meet with you guys next week, my name is Britt. I'm Craig. And we are the Football Fig Nuts Podcast. Hi, Deb.